Good Saturday evening to you. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. This show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care and returning is Cooper Linton wearing a fine seersucker suit. I had to show up strong today, Jason. I've, I've been away for a you've, while. You've brought the goods. You are, you're winning the fashion contest so far on the show. It's all, only between me and you, but you're winning right now. <laughs> Let's be clear. My wife is in charge of all fashion. <laughs> yeah, I'd be in blue jeans and sandals if it wasn't for her. Well, well, bless her heart. She does a good job. She and does. representing Transitions Guiding Lights, Nicole Bruno, as always, an early happy Mother's Day to you, Why, Nicole. thank you very you, much. You are a super mom. Why, thank you Gotta very much. Got to give you credit where credit's due. Yes, yes. And I'm actually wearing a very fine leather skirt. <laughs> <You are. laughs> it's just uh, odd for a Saturday evening. Very well, you know, odd. I'm going out for Mother's Day afterwards. Well, you, you celebrate early. That's the thing. You you turn this into a three day extravaganza. That's right. That's right. It's Mother's Days. Yes, for Mother's you. Days. Every day is Mother's Day. And Sans Coffee today as well. This is impressive. Yeah. Yep. He he let me down. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. No coffee. <laughs> We're going to decaffeinate you for the weekend. Well, Cooper, uh, let's let's dive in here. We, we've got uh, some really great guests on the show today, so I, I don't want to waste any more time. We're, we're talking about heart health. That's sort of the subject today, and that's obviously uh, a critical thing for everyone. It's particularly critical for seniors, mm-hmm. uh, and we have a lot of our geriatric population doesn't really understand heart health. They think they have components of it that they grasp, but they really don't understand the larger picture. And we have a couple of guests today, and one of them is Liz Lottie, who has joined us from the Durham Senior Center for Senior Life out of Durham, North Carolina. I've enjoyed going to your uh, senior center on several occasions, have found it to be invigorating. You have a lot going on there. We sure do. We've got 1,700 people that come through the doors on a yearly basis. That's a lot of folks. 250 to 300 every day. 250 to 300 people every single day. Every day, every single day. You have the opportunity to make a real impact on folks. Oh, definitely. So you said 1,700 people a year? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so um, I know that the Durham Center for Senior Life, which is an awesome name, Senior Life, you do so many different things uh, in the community and for the community of older adults in our community, specifically around being active. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of activity in older life, because I think a lot of times, you know, if, if you don't really work with a lot of older adults, you just picture that senior sitting in a rocking chair, doing nothing, crocheting a blanket, and, and the reality of it is that's not good for them, but that's not the reality of older life, is it? It is not. We have probably 75% of the people that come to our agency are there to exercise, so we have classes they can sit down and exercise to the ones all they can stand up and jump for hours. Um, we have uh, just a lot of activity, not only physical activity, but we also have mental activity. We have um, social activity. So it's, it's like their second home. Um, what kind of educational opportunities are available? While they're exercising, you know, they've got to be thinking about how to live healthy. So what kind of options do they have there? We, we have uh, speakers that come in, so we have a great uh, theater that's, um, that seats 50, and we have speakers that come in to talk about different subjects. We also play Sudoku. There's card games there. They do bridge. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful opportunity for the seniors all the way around. Now, I know this isn't directly related to health, but I know you've had an active program reaching out to veterans as well and recognizing them in our community, and they also struggle with some unique health issues. How how can you tell us a little bit about that program? 
Well, we have um, a group that comes and meets every week, and they reach out to veterans. Um, That's the Triangle Veterans Outreach Center, so they come. And then Transitions Life Care actually sponsors a Veterans Day program for us once a year. Um, so it's wonderful. We um, we do a lot. We try to do a lot for veterans because they're the ones that made the country. So. That's wonderful. You know, one of the things about your senior center or Center for Senior Life that I think is really amazing is that it is truly in the heart of an urban center. And, you know, unlike, you know, Wake County, what ha- it has the centers, you know, all sort of spread out the county and Orange County. It's, you know, you're truly in an urban part of the of the center. And so I'm wondering, you know, how do you do outreach to make sure that the older adults are able to get to your to your center and and sort of what do you think makes yours a little bit different than some of the other outlying communities? We actually have four senior centers. I don't know if you knew that. So we have our main center, which is downtown, Mm -hmm. and then we have um, a rural outreach center in um, uh, Bahama. Okay. Um, We have it at Little River Community Center. We have one um, through the Parks and Rec at W.D. Hill Community Center, and then we have one at JFK Towers, which is a housing for seniors so we kind of covering as many as we can but we do we do outreach um, it's mostly uh, newspaper articles mm-hmm. we'll have our calendar that is online we do a lot of um, social media we do a lot of Facebook um, stuff and um, it's mostly the connections that we've made with organizations too so, so you're the director of programs now I know um, a lot of senior centers provide more than activities for the older adults. Some of them house meal opportunities. Some of them do adult daycare type services. What are the all-encompassing services that your senior uh, life center provides to older adults in Durham? We have an adult day health program um, that's at their main center. We also serve congregate meals um, at three of the locations, um, <clears throat> not at the one downtown, so at the rural outreach um, center and then at WD Hill and JFK Towers. And we provide uh, caregiver support through funding, um, and we also do um, a caregiver support group meeting. We provide transportation, um, so we can provide transportation to our main senior center and also the outer line um, areas, too. Um, How do you handle the transportation? Because we continue to hear that as a common challenge for senior engagement. Mm-hmm. So we have um, we get some funding, some federal funding um, for transportation, so we're able to use that to get to the senior centers. And we also um, have a partnership with the city of Durham too, and so um, it works out well. We have a, a limited budget. We also are right by a bus line, so that's helpful. And um, we just actually we did a poll of how many people get how how do they get to the senior center and some carpool some walk some bike um so it was interesting to kind of found that but most of them drive by themselves you mentioned congregate meals Mm -hmm. what does that mean so the congregate meals is a program uh for seniors um and and what we're doing is we're providing a free or i'm sorry it's at no cost to the senior lunch Mm -hmm. um and we, we take donations for it, but it's a way for them to get together with other people in a congregate setting, and we provide a hot lunch uh, for them. So is that in addition to Meals on Wheels, or is this a separate program that you run? It's a separate program. So okay. Meals on Wheels actually delivers it to their home. Okay. We're congregate, so they actually come together in a social setting. So that's definitely you know a, a real benefit to that social engagement. It is. Talk to us a little bit about that. What is the importance of getting an older adult out of their home where they're isolated into a congregate setting? Have you, have you personally witnessed sort of a change in someone's life for, for coming to the center? Oh, yeah. Uh, the 
that's the probably the only time they come out of their house. And so we provide, I would say, 75% of them with transportation. Um, and they wouldn't normally get out of the house or in, and also get a good meal. So when we surveyed them, they said that um, the more, majority of them actually come to the centers for socialization. It's not for the food, um, you know, which the food is helpful, too. That came in as a number two. But, oh, yeah, they, they love it. They, uh, there's one lady, actually, she was um, in and out of the hospital, and she found out about the congregate meal program and so we provide them with a menu and also a menu analysis and so by following it and really watching her diet um, she's able to stay out of the hospital so it was huge and she she we had to move one of the senior centers and so she'll actually pay for her own transportation to go it's that valuable to her how do you identify these folks to come in for the meals um, it's mostly just kind of word of mouth. Um, we put the information out there. We've done different things. There's no income guidelines. Um, it's mostly just people who are wanting, um, you know, maybe extra support um, as far as the meals and transportation. So, How do folks reach you? They can either go online and reach us, um, email. They can um, um they can call us up. Uh, our phone number is 919-688-8247, and our website's www.dcslnc.org. So. so real quick before we have to end this uh, segment here, if you could wave a magic wand and, and come up with one of the biggest challenges that face this, the senior centers and what could make the biggest impact if we have some decision makers out there, what would it be? Parking. <laughs> yeah holy cow yeah i've been to, i've been there recently i was surprised myself <laughs> uh, yeah. we've actually had to turn people away because they come to the parking lot um and they don't find a parking spot and then they put some parking meters around but i've understood that those are going to be coming down um the ones around the center but um it's still not enough um downtown you know the, just the parking is at a minimum anyways and so yeah it's a growing area is, uh-huh. lots of new cars exactly exactly well if you find that parking wand uh let me borrow it when you're done <laughs> because that that would be very nice our guest is liz Lotti. she's the director of programs at durham center for senior life and we'll continue our show here in just a bit you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care who you can find online at transitionslifecare.org you're listening to news radio 680 wptf News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, who you can find online at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, alongside me as always, Cooper Linton. Again, rocking just, uh, I'm, I'm amazed by this seersucker jacket. I think you should wear this every week. It's it's very nice. I think what it indicates is how poorly dressed I am every other Saturday <laughs> night that this actually stands out to you. No, sir. No, sir. I disagree. I, I'm, I'm making, the, this needs to be a staple But but you, but you know what I think? It just means that everything else is finally dirty (laughs) he got to the back of the closet he's reached the end of the laundry cycle i think so and that voice is nicole bruno she's with transitions guiding lights and we're having a a good show today and we're talking about heart health and cooper i can think of no better guest to come in and talk about heart health than our, our next guest Absolutely. We have Linda King. She's the Director of Multicultural Health Initiatives with the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. She's doing double duty. That association always does. And we're just glad to have you on the show, Ms. King. We want to understand a little bit more about heart 
and health, and particularly how it affects caregivers and largely seniors. Okay. Well, first, I would just like to say the American Heart Association is the oldest and largest volunteer organization devoted to fighting cardiovascular diseases and stroke. And here in the Triangle, we have an office here in the Triangle. And um, we work with uh, communities to integrate our programs into whatever they're doing to increase um, awareness about heart disease and stroke. And uh, we want people to know that heart disease is the number one killer of Americans in, um, in the United States. And also, we, when you mentioned the stroke, American Stroke uh, Association, stroke is the number five leading cause of death. So you so, have the number one and the number five leading cause of death. Absolutely. In one association. Yes. That's pretty yes. powerful. You've got, a, you've got a large mission for a broad audience. Yes, we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how prevalent is this? I know it's number one and I know it's number five. Help, right. help us understand how significant this is. Well, um, what we like to say, um, I want to mention that this month is, uh, and I don't want us to forget this, because May is stroke month. And we want to increase awareness about stroke. Mm -hmm. And so um, a big focus for the American Heart Association around heart disease and um, stroke is high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Because we know that high blood pressure is what leads to heart attacks and what leads to stroke. So if you're a parent and it's almost Mother's Day, you are at high risk for having a stroke. Well, <laughs> I <have> <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I have kids too, so yeah. Kids Depending really, on the day, really, really good thing. <laughs> kids are a really good thing. Now, so in in this market, not just the the Raleigh Durham market, but all across the United States, we're trying to make that connection, increase awareness about. Um, heart disease and stroke, and that connection to high blood pressure. You know, How I you need to know those numbers. I think a lot of people, and this is one thing, you know, there are just countless, I can't even tell you how many people I know that have high blood pressure or some sort of a heart condition. Right. And it's just sort of, you take it, oh yeah, I've got this going on, and you've got 25 other things going on at the same time. I mean, this is a huge problem in this country, and it's not really as prevalent everywhere else in the world as it is here, too. So I really want to get back to some of the reasons maybe why that might be. But but let's really talk about, you know, specifically in this country or in this state, you know, how prevalent is it? So um, we know about, um, about 80 million Americans have um, high blood pressure. Okay. And then there's like a huge number that don't know. Exactly. That, You're walking that, around ticking time bomb. Right, that, that they have it. So there's a huge number that don't know that they have it. So um, we're working, American Heart Association, we're working with a lot of our state partners to try to figure this out and to figure out where are we, you know, what are the numbers, how prevalent is it? So we're working to get that information as we speak so that we can better help com communities and help, um, you know, residents across North Carolina learn how to manage and control this high blood pressure. And then that will definitely assist them in, you know, their, their heart uh, disease and, you know, stroke awareness and knowing what goes on with themselves, I guess you can say, you know, themselves as well as their families. So where do I go get this information if I'm a caregiver? How do I understand more about hypertension so I can address my own or try and avoid some of the risk factors for getting it? So we, we have a program which we call Check Change Control. Check Check, change, change, control. control. Right. Three so we, C's. We <laughs> exactly the three right. C's. We want you to check your blood pressure. We want you to um, we want you to make any changes needed, and then we want you to learn how to control your blood pressure. So it is our self monitoring high blood pressure program that we are implementing across the country, North Carolina, and across the country to assist um, 
everyone who becomes a participant to manage and, and better control their blood pressure. So one location would be if you wanted to know more about, you know, how you can, can get on board with monitoring your high blood pressure better, you could go to cctracker.com. That is our uh, site for the Check Change Control uh, program. Or you could go to heart.org, H-E-A-R-T.org. And there you can find, like, so much information about uh, heart disease, all the information you need to find out about heart disease, stroke, caregiver information. We have a support network program, so you can find out all the informa information needed. <laughs> so we cover lots of different topics in, in different chronic diseases here on the show. And a lot of questions that people often have is, well, how would I even know that I might have XYZ issues? So are there any symptoms, you know, if I'm walking around potentially as a ticking time bomb, okay. you know, what are some of the things that I might be looking out for that might say, you know, Nicole, you probably should go to the doctor because you're having these symptoms and that might mean you have high blood pressure or heart disease going on. Okay. So, Nicole, let's look at stroke. Okay. So, when it comes to stroke, we have an acronym that we call FAST, mm -hmm. F-A-S-T. So, the FAST stands for face. If there's someone's face and it's, their face is drooping, if their arm is, they're having difficulty raising their arm, and then if they, their speech is, like, slurred or they're having difficulty speaking, it's time to call 911. Mm -hmm. So, that's an acronym that we use for stroke. Um, other things you want to do is make sure you have your regular doctor appointments. Have your blood pressure checked uh, every you know, year, a couple times a year, depending on your family history, depending on your age, um, and sometimes depending on your race. You need to be more in touch with your doctor about different, um, I guess you could say, things around heart disease and stroke. So you kind of want to know what are your risk factors from your doctor and uh, stay closely connected with your caregiver. I definitely highly recommend that. So are there clinics that are held where I can get my blood pressure checked if I don't? What if I don't have a doctor? Are there places I can go to get my blood pressure checked and maybe get a recommendation of where I need to go to get a doctor? I think we, we're still dealing with a lot of people who move to this triangle who do not have a close relationship or maybe any even any relationship with a primary care physician. Right. So uh, the American Heart Association works closely with the local health departments here. So if someone is new to the area, then they can go to a local health department. Health department can always get you connected to, you know, whichever provider you need to be connected. You can um, also, there are free clinics that are locally across North Carolina. And the way to find out about those, um, you could check with your Durham Senior Center for Life. If you are, like, new in the community, they have, like, so much information available to you know new people to the area so Durham Center Senior for Life is one location the health department could be another location and those two I guarantee you you could find um, exactly what you need so I'd like to talk a little bit about risk factors you know okay. you kind of alluded to depending upon your age or maybe even your race but I think there's probably some other things that we do as Americans that put us at risk for developing heart disease talk to us a little bit about what some of those things might be okay so when it comes to risk factors um, there's high blood pressure there's high cholesterol there's um, physical inactivity uh, you know like Americans nowadays hey you know we love to go out and eat maybe not exercise um, your age, as I mentioned, could be a factor. Uh, some things are hereditary, some things you, you can't change. But you definitely want to look at your numbers. You know, high blood pressure. Am I being active? You know, 
what are my numbers as far as my cholesterol? So you want to kind of look at these things as your risk factors. And these risk factors should be discussed with your doctor. I know a lot of other disease states out there, like Alzheimer's disease, looks to the Heart Association, actually, um, for what they put as guidelines for heart health. Because everybody realizes that what's good for the heart is really good for the rest of the body, including the brain. And so I think if we can all do a better job, especially in this country, of being more active, which everyone hates it. We're all sitting here on our phones looking down all day. I mean, literally walking in a park, people walk into trees because they're looking down at their phones or exercising, I guess. But um, but really, you know, we really need to take better care and just get up and move, even for an older adult going to uh, senior centers like the Durham Center for Senior Life. I mean, I think that is just so important to circulate that blood and get it moving for sure absolutely absolutely and when you mention those risk factors uh nicole i would like to point out one resource with the american heart association it's called our life simple seven program where you can just go to our site at heart.org google life simple seven um and it comes up and it's an assessment that you can actually take to see how well you're doing with your heart health and it's everything from smoking to um you know physical activity to healthy eating. So there are like seven indicators that we say you must be doing well in order to make sure you're, you're heart healthy. And just know that stroke is 80% preventable. It's pretty much 80% preventable if uh, people just take these measures. Yeah, that's, that's a big number. Yeah, and it's usually just kind of small life changes usually that you can make that can make a big difference. And if you know someone who would benefit from that, that's that's a tremendous help. Our guest is Linda King. She's the Director of Community and Multicultural Health Initiatives for the American Heart Association and American Stroke Association. That's a, that's a mouthful, Linda. <laughs> yes, you got a, Your business card is like one of those novelty checks wow. to fit all that on there. No, I'm, I'm just messing with you. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life you can find them online at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, which was founded as Hospice of Wake County, and you can find more about them online at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Cooper Linton here, Nicole Bruno over there, and our special guest this evening, Linda King. She's the Director of Community and Multicultural Health Initiatives for the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. Got a big-time guest here, Cooper, because that's a big-time title. Well, it takes forever to say that title. Multicultural <laughs> health initiatives. That's that's almost like your title. I mean, it's no. This, this al- her title is actually meaningful. <laughs> the, uh, no, I, but I, I think there's something important in that. When we look at the triangle area as, and sometimes we get confused and we say that's Raleigh. It's Raleigh. It's Durham. It's Chapel Hill. There's really about 1.6 million people captured in that area. And if you look at an actual census listing or census data for this area. It is an incredibly robust and diverse community. And we approach health issues, we approach caregiver issues differently. So I applaud the American Heart Association actually for having recognized the need to address different cultural issues with respect to health because one size just doesn't fit all. So forgive me, I'll get down off my soapbox now, but that one actually meant something to me. And we'll, now you were, we were talking during the break momentarily about CPR and AEDs, 
Now, those are that's six letters. Can you tell us what all that means? Because we we love acronyms on the show. It's one of our favorite <laughs> games to play. You name that acronym. What is CPR and what is AED and, and what why does that matter? Now, I can tell you, uh, you know, much more about CPR because that's more of what I do in the community. But that's cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And when we're talking CPR, we're talking about um, saving a life overall. So um, what I do um, with the communities that I work with is we like to do what we call hands-only CPR. And um, so, so nowadays, research has shown through American Heart Association that you don't have to do the breathing in someone's mouth that they need um, when, you know, like if someone passes out or, you know, they, they need that CPR. You no longer have to kiss a stranger. Let's get right exactly. down to it. Exactly. You no longer have to do that. <laughs> we want you to do two things. We want you to call 911 and press hard and fast in the center of that person's chest. And um, if you would like, if there's an organization um, in the community who would like to know more about hands-only CPR, it's a great opportunity to just bring in, you know, your regular community people. Medical people have to know the breathing and all of the certification parts of it. But as far as just your regular community people, you don't have to, to know how to do the breathing part. Just call 911, press hard and fast in the center of the, tra- in, in the, center of the chest, and we have a program um, our hands-only CPR program, we come out, we train you, we show you this video. We want you to use the song that uh, Stayin' Alive, if you know the, was it the Bee Gees? Stayin' Alive, Stayin' Alive. Yes, that's the song. Look, the record show, I was not part of the musical interlude. By I don't the way. know, I heard, you, I heard you doing the bass lines. For so when the ratings go down to zero, it's going to be my fault, <laughs> clearly. But, but it works, it absolutely works. And, um, People are so interested in that program. They're so happy to just learn that piece of um, CPR, to know what to do in case of emergency um, when, you know, when there is a cardio um, vascular moment but that someone ha- happens to have. So um, that is our hands-on CPR when it comes to AED. That's where a person, maybe if they need a shock, but that's more, I would say that's more like the, the medical person. That's more Grey's Anatomy. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, people... Uh, you know, your community people can learn that part of it, but we want you to learn the hands-on CPR and that hopefully by the time, you know, you've gotten that person revived or whatever, then there's a medical person there that can do the shocking in the AED. And we're seeing AEDs located all over the place. I mean, I was in the airport last week. Um, the, there are AEDs hanging on the walls and they have an alarm they go off if you open them I'm seeing them in churches we're seeing them in schools it's uh, all over on college campuses uh, we actually have them in our office at Transitions Life Care I mean it's it's an interesting thing the prevalence of these AEDs but to your point you may not always have an AED but you always have your hands Absolutely. and, and Absolutely. there's an immediate intervention yes. that you can use hands only CPR so people need to find out more about that through you guys right Absolutely. So I'd like to take a little uh, transition here, no pun intended, but to your actual role as Multicultural Health, uh, uh, Director of Multicultural Health Initiatives. What does that mean for your association and what exactly do you do in the community? Okay, so as um, a Multicultural Health Initiatives Director, I basically assist multicultural communities with integrating the American Heart Association programs into whatever they're doing. So I work with um, African-Americans, Hispanic, Native American communities to integrate our uh, program into their activities. And some of those activities include, for example, their churches. 
who uh, we actually implement Go Red Sundays. Now, Go Red for Women initiative is an, an initiative where we increase heart disease awareness among women. And so um, with our multicultural communities, uh, the faith organizations, sometimes they'll call us and they say, hey, you know, we would like somebody to come out for, for our Go Red Month activities, which happen in February. Uh, that's Heart Month as well. So we, we actually assist them by providing free resources if we can get a speaker, if someone from our staff can go to be there with them. So actually that's our effort to get into that community to increase awareness about heart disease and stroke. And that overall helps that community to um, help their, um, I guess you could say the community members to better their heart health. So it sounds like you do a lot of partnering in the community. Yes. I know you do some partnering with the Durham Center for Senior Life and other organizations that you'd love to highlight. Absolutely. We had a great, great program uh, this year. I guess you could say this semester starting in January at the beginning of the year. We work with the Durham Center Senior Life to implement our Check Change Control High Blood Pressure Program. It's a self-monitoring program. So the Durham Center... Uh, Center for Senior Life actually had students from UNC Nursing School. And the American Heart Association had students from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And we had public health students. And so we partner because the, um, the Check Change Control Program has different pieces to it. So you need a nurse there who can do the blood pressures. And then you need like patient education. So the Durham Center for Senior Life provided the uh, blood pressure screenings. And we provided patient education uh, tables and um, I guess you could say like uh, well seminars or opportunities for the uh, seniors to learn about you know how to eat healthy uh, around nutrition and they're always active there so um, but you know just bringing in information that how many minutes per day should you exercise and things of that nature so bringing all of that together we actually screened almost 100 seniors in just a matter of a couple weeks I could, it was like about maybe six seven weeks at the most and we got those uh, participants into the program. From there, they were able to manage and control their blood pressure with the help of our students, of course, because <laughs> you had to be a little tech savvy. So <laughs> we helped the seniors there to maintain that and over a four-month period of time, which is it's a four-month program. But uh, we definitely did see uh, some really great results from working there. Well, part of your community outreach actually has included us. We've partnered with you uh, and the promotion of the Caregiver Summit. Uh, and y'all have been a partner with us now for several years. So uh, we appreciate you helping us reach a group of folks that may have a particular interest in heart and stroke, but that also means most likely they're a caregiver or they're dealing with a loved one or more than one loved one who has these risk factors or has experienced a heart or stroke issue. Uh, and they're also navigating the world of being a caregiver. It's quite a challenge. Absolutely. And so we, we appreciate your assistance in that. Yes. We have appreciated the partnership as well. Absolutely. Enjoy For sure. Yes. So I know you have some upcoming events you wanted to talk about and love to also highlight how folks can get a hold of you if they want more information. Yes. Um, as we mentioned, um, May is Stroke Month, and we have an event called the Power to End Stroke Jazz Brunch. It will be held on June 3rd at the Durham Center for Senior Life, which is downtown Durham. It will be held on June 3rd, that Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it's called a jazz brunch, so we have like a jazz event that actually includes a lot of health activities around it. So Marcus Anderson, who's a national recording artist, will be the jazz um, performer. And then we also have like an Ask the Doctor panel. You can learn more about heart health and, and stroke. 
and we also will have like physical activity opportunities, cooking demonstration, line dancing, and then just some vendors there. So it's a really great day and great event. Jazz music education. Yes. June third. Yes. <laughs> Durham Center for Senior Living. Yes. Senior Life. Excuse me. Yes. Right. Yes, and if you'd like to register, you can go to heart.org backslash triangle jazz brunch. And you'll let me wear seersucker if I come? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she had to think about that one. <laughs> you need to get him up on stage. Exactly. Yeah, 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 he can help us out a little bit. Yes, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready for the Kentucky Derby, I think. <laughs> Next year. That's Next right. Year's Kentucky That's right. Derby. Uh, well, Linda King, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's very informative, and uh, you do a, a great service to the community, and we thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find them online at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find them online at transitionslifecare.org. Good Saturday evening to you. I'm Jason Kong. Alongside me, Cooper Linton, Nicole Bruno. And guys, uh, Transitions Life Care was founded as Hospice of Wake County. And Cooper, there's, there's still a lot of misconception about hospice. I think one of the first things that come to people's mind is cancer but that's that's not exactly what you guys do well it started off with all the with patients being almost totally cancer patients that's mm -hmm. really uh, where the birthplace was for hospice in in the united states and it was the same here in the triangle and so it was true at one point that cancer patients made up uh, almost all of them it was 90 plus percent cancer but interestingly now Partly because we've gotten so much better at handling cancer as a disease. It. No, it's also it's often <laughs> it's a, chronic a chronic illness. Yep. So we're seeing now that it's about forty percent of our patients are dealing with cancer as a terminal illness. So it's less than half. And and what we're really talking about now in our cancer po or excuse me in our hospice population really ties back to our former guests uh, that you're dealing with a lot of heart issues. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with cerebrovascular issues, uh, stroke being mm -hmm. foremost among them. Uh, but we're also dealing with a lot of dementia, vascular dementia, yeah. Alzheimer's. And we've had those folks on the show before. But when, anytime we're talking about heart and stroke, it just reminds me that so many folks are still misunderstanding and thinking that if they don't have cancer – hospice or palliative care is really not an option for them well and people also think it's just for people who are in terrible terrible pain for the last two days of their lives and that's a big i mean no matter where i go that's what people think you know if if folks can come on to service with three months four months we can do so much and they they think well i've got to give up everything i'm going to have to quit all medications and that's not at all the case uh, there's just really some misunderstandings uh, and when they're not sure what to do if they think they're facing a really serious illness, they've got a major diagnosis facing them, um, then it's a good time to talk to your physician about getting a palliative care consult. Mm -hmm. and I think we'll, and before long, we'll need to do bring another palliative care physician on to talk a little more in depth about that medical specialty. But uh, that is really a, a type of care that can run concurrently with your curative care. You don't have to give up anything. And when the time is right, we can help you transition over to hospice mm -hmm. if that's the right fit. But 
it's not the right fit for everybody all the time. You know, and I talk, and I work with a lot of families, and and a lot of people I know, just generally speaking, have had a hospice experience. And I can't tell you, I've never heard a person ever say number one that they wish they didn't use hospice. What I've always heard is that they, there's actually a sense of guilt about not doing it sooner, mm-hmm. about having their loved one suffer the way they were suffering longer and and having that support of that outside organization come in and really wrap their arms around that loved one and and a lot of times you know it's not even just you know the whole the whole medical side of it it's the social family side of you know helping uh, ease relationships and tensions and helping a person maybe pass away that might have had some skeletons in their closet. We all do, and and really help people forgive and 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 give you know just that sense of closure and peace. And I think a lot of times families wish it was sooner so they could have had some more quality of time for their loved one. Yeah, and that that's a really important point that you bring up. And you know, to me, this seems this, these misconceptions seem like uh, a factor of just not talking about it. And mm-hmm. you know, it it. it it pains me to hear that people say, you know, I wish I had known about this sooner. You know, this so was this was such a great thing. Mm-hmm. How do we overcome that? It, I, I know you don't want to. You don't want to talk about death. Just, yeah, say, hey, let me tell you about the. Did you look like you one. might be dying in a few? Weeks. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but you know, <laughs> have you looked in a mirror recently? I mean, you know, and I know I look at like death a lot of days, so it can be quite offensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Jason, you you bring something up, and that's that we've got to normalize mm-hmm. the conversation about mortality. And I don't mean to be morbid or walking around in some sort of mantle of being morose. What I do mean is that we've got to have an open discussion about the fact that time always wins. Right. And we can be candid. We can be frank. We can do that while we're still being sensitive and talk about what are my plans? What do I want while I'm alive? I can't change the fact that I'm going to die. I can, however, have a set of goals and desires for what I experience between now and the end of my life, and can I get some medical assistance in in the pursuit of those goals? And the answer is yes, you mm-hmm. can. And if we can have a, a frank discussion about that, then it takes it out of the the veil of discomfort and just deal with it and talk about it, and all the the frightening part of it largely falls away. And you know, Jason, a couple of weeks ago, we were we had a guest on, we were talking about grief. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, people don't know how to respond to a person when their loved one passes away. A lot of times, they just stop talking about that loved one and don't bring it up for fear of making that person sad. And that really is to your point where you were going, I think, with your original question of how do you even bring up the conversation? What was your hospice experience like? You know, How was that end-of-life experience? Because people are just so uncomfortable with dealing with the emotions of someone else. And how will I react? I'm not trained to deal with someone's breaking down crying in front of me. So they're just, I think, generally speaking, our society needs to, I think, get a lot more education on how to work with someone in general. Uh, Some of it's avoidance behavior. Because if we talk about your mortality, then I have to acknowledge my mortality. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, we say, well, I'm okay with dying. Are you really? Mm. Most of, I mean, we're, we're hardwired to survive, live, and thrive. Yeah. We're hardwire, hardwired that way. And so to have a conversation that acknowledges the, the temporal nature of life is challenging, very challenging. And it brings in psychosocial components, spiritual components, physical and medical components. Cultural. And, and cultural, <laughs> absolutely. To, to, to our former, our, our guest that was on here earlier um, did a, is an expert in that matter. Mm-hmm. We really need to explore that further. So 
Let's have open and frank discussions about it, open and frank discussions about advanced directives and setting plans out so your loved ones know what they are. Uh, thanks uh, to the, our listeners and to the folks on this show who helped us promote the Advanced Care Directive event that we held in April. Uh, it turned out to be the most successful one in the state of North Carolina. Woohoo! Uh, it turned out to be a really good thing, and um, we need to do those again, and we've already talked to uh, some of the attorneys involved, and they're happy to do it. So we hope before long we'll be announcing another one. Yeah, well, WPTF, we have uh, just we we've got the best listeners in the triangle. I, I'm I'm not afraid to brag about the <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, and I, I would like to thank everyone who who did come out, and I, I'm glad it worked out so well for you, Cooper. Um, well, before we go, we got to get to some housekeeping here. We've got yes. the uh, caregiver summit still to to hit on, and Nicole, we've got some dates that are rapidly approaching. Yes, my gosh, you know, I, every day I look at my to do list for these summits, and I get scared. <laughs> but they are coming up. They are rapidly rapidly approaching we have um four of them coming up but two uh, rather imminently uh tuesday june 13th at the mckimmon conference center in raleigh that's all day we have one tuesday june the 20th at the durham convention center in durham a little further off on uh, august 22nd we have one at the friday center in chapel hill and lastly we have one on october 3rd in lillington the caregiver summits uh, caregiversummit.org uh, that is the place you want to go if you are a caregiver or you're preparing to care to get connected to resources to have find yourself some respite some resolution get some education not feel isolated and start to ha- be prepared to have some of these conversations with your loved ones these convention centers are completely booked with people just like you and i think a lot of people find really a sense of of communion and home there just being able to share their stories and gain some education and connection to other services that are out there. Because we know being on this show, we could be talking all day long for 365 days and not even touch half the resources in our community. Well, when people walk into that room and they see all those resources there, they walk into classrooms and they hear about things. You know, we we talk about money sometimes as a barrier, Mm -hmm. but just a lack of awareness Mm -hmm. is often a greater barrier than the money itself. Because if you have all the money in the world and you have no idea that something's available or that help is available, you can't access it. And these summits are very instrumental in helping lift the veil of, of mm-hmm. benign ignorance, if you will, yeah. and help us walk in saying, I understand more and I can help my loved one better. I can help myself better. And we did add knowing that caregivers don't take care of themselves. And, you know, Cooper and I have both been caregivers many time over between us. We have a health clinic this year, and a big piece of that health clinic actually has to do with heart health screening. So to our earlier guest point, we want to provide access to caregivers so that they're not walking around and eventually needing care of themselves before their loved one passes. Of the check, change, and control that we mentioned, you'll, you'll take care of the checking, right? You'll, you'll do a little bit of the checking. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to be doing that day. I'm just going to be – you'll see me floating about. We'll have folks doing say it. Say hello, yes. We, we have nurses that will be doing that as I'm not a nurse, but yes, we will have that handled. Well, yes, we, we highly encourage you to register. You can go to caregiversummits.org, and you can find more information there. More information also on WPTF.com in the Aging Matters section. want to thank so much Liz Lottie, the Director of Programs at Durham Center for Senior Life and Linda King, the Director of Community and Multicultural Health Initiatives for the American Heart Association and the American 
Stroke Association. If you missed any part of those interviews and you want to go back and listen to those again, that's available for you at WPTF.com in the on-demand section. You'll find this episode as well as every other episode that we've done uh, for just a lot of great information there. Well, we will be back at 7 o'clock next Saturday night, and we'll have another great lineup for you and hopefully another informative and fun show with Cooper and Nicole. I'm Jason Kong. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF.